Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Bible tells us that, that it's a fallen angel that tried to exalt himself above God. You know him as the devil. And he has certain strategies that he uses to, to try and keep us from the truth of God's word. Because, you know, he was defeated by God's word there in that time of temptation with Jesus. Three times Jesus quoted scripture and had the devil on the run. And so the enemy tries to keep us from receiving the truth of God's word. Amen? And so he's created a a narrative about God in the world. How many know that the world has a narrative that they've been taught on how to believe about God and how that God relates to them? And it has partial truth to it because, you know, you can't just poison someone by giving them poison. you got to wrap it up in something to get them to take it. And so the devil always uses a partial truth, but then he contaminates that truth with with a lie. And then once we accept his narrative, once we accept what he says about God, then what happens is, is that keeps us from receiving the truth because we believe something. And anything that begins to contradict it, even though it's the pure truth from God, we ignore it because we've already embraced what we think is the truth. And that's how he blinds our minds. So we're going to get into that a little bit this morning. So let's go ahead and allow him uh, access to what we're doing here. And uh, let's just believe that he's here working with us. Father in heaven, we thank you that as believers, you're inside of us. Because Jesus gave us the person of the Holy Spirit to be in our heart. And Holy Spirit, you're the revelator. Not only are you the author of this book, Holy Ghost, but now you're going to help us to understand what you wrote to us. So we believe in you. We believe that the eyes of our heart are being enlightened. We believe that we'll see the truth in a new light and that you'll add to the truth we've already embraced. And it's the knowing of this truth. It is the walking in the light of this truth, being a doer of that truth that makes us free. And Lord, every day we can become freer and freer in our walk with you. And we thank you that this is just one of those steps we're taking now. Everyone believe and said, amen. Glory to God. If you got your Bibles, uh, go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 1. And uh, we're going to talk about this first narrative that uh, the world has, or could we call it a world view of God. And this first view that they have is that they'll say that God is the father of every person on the earth. 
The world's narrative is God is the father of every individual on the earth. Well, is that true? Come on. I said, is that true? I mean, it sounds all hunky-dory. It sounds all lovey-dovey. It, it, uh, it sounds logical. But is it true? Let's go on over to Genesis 127. You, you know these verses of Scripture? As you know, you'll never get anything fancy from me. Uh, meat and potatoes. The good stuff. And, and an occasional blueberry muffin. Okay. So Genesis 127. It says that God created man in his own image. Now, it's important that you see the creation of man. It says that the creation of man was made in the image of God. And so in the image of God created he him, male and female, he created he them. Now, this scripture is pretty clear, I think. Uh, it, it says here that God created man. I don't think anyone would disagree to that. But it's to be noticed that in this creation of man, it says that God created man. In that creation, there's two parts of our being that he created. Sometimes we miss that. Look over in the second chapter of Genesis. So we, we've determined that God is our creator. Amen. He created male and female. Now notice in the Second chapter of Genesis into the seventh verse, look at this first part that God created. It says that the Lord God formed, or, you know, when I see this scripture, I see God in a sandbox. Yeah, and he's just, he, he's playing with the sand and, you know, he's forming man from the dirt of the earth, right? So it says that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Period. So here we see God creating our physical body. This, this part of us that helps us interact in a physical world. And so our physical body came from the earth. And because it's made from the earth, our body is subject to death. And this body will die. And it's interesting that our body is going to go back to where it came from. <laughs> Some of us accelerate that process. You know, we have it incinerated and we go back to the earth faster and then others just put the body in the ground and then slowly it deteriorates. But both ways, where's it heading? Right back from where it came from. Amen. Amen. The, the dirt. And so the first part of us that God created is that he created our body. But then in order for that body to have life, God placed something inside of it. So if we continue on in verse 7, it says that in this body of the earth that God formed, notice what he does. He breathed, this is the latter part of verse 7, he breathed into the nostrils of this body. And what did he breathe into it? The breath of life. Ooh, glory. Now this isn't just making the body alive. This life has a source. What is that source? It says that man became something. He became a living soul. You could define a living soul as an eternal spirit. Yes. So made man, 
into two parts. First, he made a body. He made a house for that part that would be like God, made in his image. And then he breathed into man an eternal spirit, and that life that emanates from that spirit caused that flesh to come alive. You know, I still remember the day that I got a hold of this truth. You see, I was a newborn believer years ago, and uh, I was just hungry for the things of God. And so I had my nose in this book, and I was reading other books that pointed to the big book. And But there were a lot of scriptures that just I wasn't getting. I didn't understand them. The biggest stumbling block that I had is that, that the, the Word of God was talking about how I am righteous. That, that I was the righteousness of God in Christ. And, and with my mind, I'm going, yeah, he says I'm righteous, but I don't understand that. How can I be righteous? I'm still making mistakes. And so I was looking at this outer man. And I was judging myself based on the outer man's behavior. And so I wasn't getting it. But one day, I was reading Faith Food by Kenneth E. Hagin. And that day, that scripture was uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And it broke down man's makeup and said that man is a spirit, an eternal spirit. He has a mind and he lives in a body. And then all of a sudden, the light went on. <laughs> My righteousness has nothing to do with this outer man. Come on, come on. See, I thought I was a body. I looked in a mirror and I thought I was seeing me. I wasn't, I was just looking at my house. Yeah. And when I got a hold of that truth, that this book is not talking to my body per se, it's talking to that part of me that's made in the image of God. It's speaking to my inner man, the hidden man of the heart. That Amen. part of me, that's an eternal spirit. And when I saw that, all of a sudden this book opened up to me. Because then I saw who he was speaking to, and it was a lot easier to believe what he said about me on the inside, that part that he had changed and resurrected through the new birth. So this is how man was made in the image of God, because Jesus tells us over here in John, chapter 4, verse 24, he says when he was talking to the woman at the well, he says, God is a spirit. Notice it doesn't say God is a man. Notice it didn't say God is a feeling. Notice it doesn't say God is the earth. It's amazing people worship the earth. I, I'm sorry, I can't hook up with that. <laughs> I just can't hook up with that. I want to I wanna fall in love with the one who made the earth. Amen. There you go. <laughs> Glory to God. And so Jesus was telling this woman, he, he's saying God is a spirit. So when it says that we're made in the likeness and the image of God, that's talking about this inner man, the hidden man of the heart. But unfortunately, that spirit that we receive from God, that spirit that he placed within us got tainted when we were born into this world. Because we've, we've, this world has fallen. This, this, wor this world is, is, has a kingdom of darkness. 
And sooner or later, we succumb to that darkness and we get separated from God the Father. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, let's, let's look at verse 12. It says, wherefore, as by one man. So we see that one man is responsible for allowing this fallen world to take place. This one man is Adam. Isn't it interesting that, you know, if I would go to ancestor.com or whatever it's called, and I would look at my lineage, you know, if they had the tools, they'd find out that I'm from the Adam and Eve. Come on. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that God has us fighting against our relatives? Well, yeah, but I'm a different color than you. Go back far enough, you'll find out we all started as the same color. <laughs> At least Amen. in the house that we live in. Amen. Yeah. So here we go. It says by one man, this is Adam. Remember Adam? He's the one who opened the world. He opened the door to sin. Or when you see this word sin, also relate it to understanding separation from God. Sin or a sin nature is the absence of life. You still exist, but you have no life. And so this sin that came into the, the world, it says that it passed upon all men. That means no one is immune from this death sentence or this separation from God from happening in their life. So let's read it again as we understand what he's saying here. It says, Wherefore by Adam sin entered into the world and the repercussions of that sin or separation from God is death. And that's really talking about spiritual death, meaning that our inner man becomes fallen or separated from God. And at that point, he ceases to be our father. Did you get that? You see, when, when we succumb to these laws of sin and death that are in the operation of this world, then our spirit man, dies spiritually or is separated from God. Just like Jesus was separated from God on the cross. When he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was spiritual death. His spirit was still eternal, but it no longer had God's life. He, he no longer had that relationship with God. He was separated from him. And even at that point, God ceased to be the father of Jesus because he became our sin. And that's why he went to go to a sinner's hell. So there is repercussions to us receiving this sin nature. It, it causes a separation in our spirit from God and every one of us will experience it. Look at verse 23 in Romans 3. Romans 3, 23. It says that all have sinned. Do you notice this three-letter word at the beginning of that? 
is all. And the word all means all. <laughs> it means all-encompassing, all, everyone. Nobody's immune. All have sinned or all have been separated from God. All has a fallen sin nature on the inside. And it says that we come short of the glory of God. Now, it's interesting that I'm getting probably several Sundays ahead of myself in, in, in reference, referencing this. But there's a lot of times when, before we establish our relationship with the Lord, there's a lot of times that we think, well, I'm, I'm good enough. I'm not so bad once you get to know me. <laughs> you, you, am I, come on, be honest out there. Before Christ, didn't you think that you, you know, you had a shot of <laughs> going to heaven? Didn't you think that, that, that you know, you're going to make it, you're going to be okay? After all, you're, you're better than this person over here. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely better than that person over there. But you notice who we're comparing ourselves with? One another. But that's not what this scripture says. It doesn't say for all have sinned, and you can recognize that sin because we come short of the glory of your next door neighbor. <laughs> or you come... <laughs> yeah, no, it says it, it doesn't compare us to man. It doesn't say we come short comparing ourselves to other people. Come on. No, come we're on. to compare ourselves with God. Amen. Yes. You know, that's when I figured out I needed a Savior. Come on. Amen. Hello, big red truck. And so when we compare ourselves to God, comparing imperfection with perfection is obvious. I need some help. Help a brother out, right? I, I need some help. It's interesting that this worldly view of God emphasizes our behavior and tries to tell us, don't worry. You're part of God's creation. He's your father. You're going to be okay. After all, and then they'll start pointing out other people, how terrible they are. And, and in comparison to them, you're looking pretty good. But notice how Jesus talked to the religious leaders of his day. Now, you've got to understand that he, he talked to the very elite of the Jewish religion. He talked to the Pharisees. He talked to the, the Sadducees. He talked to the scribes. He talked to the rabbis. He talked to all their leaders because they sought him out. They wanted to see what the big deal was. They sought him out. And you got to understand that these are individuals that in comparing them to other human beings, they were the creme of the creme. <laughs> these guys were obeying the law as best as they could right. They did this, they did that, and they constantly compared themselves to others. But here came Jesus. 
I mean, you know, they, they had a hard time comparing themselves to Jesus. Yeah, come on. Because yeah. he began to show compassion and mercy on individuals that didn't deserve it. He began to forgive people. He began to heal people. He began to deliver people. He began to raise the dead. He began Woo, to take a happy meal and feed over 5,000 yes, people. He glory. walked on water. And so now they had a problem. <laughs> they didn't look so hot. They talked about God, but they didn't have the power of God. And here comes this lowly carpenter. Are you kidding me, a carpenter? Or could we say a hillbilly? He came from Nazareth. Are you kidding me? There's just a bunch of hicks out there. And we've been trained by this one and that one and went to there and did this. And here comes this hillbilly. And he's raising the dead. Amen. He's walking on water. He's speaking to storms and they stop. <laughs> he speaks to a tree and it obeys him. Glory. Yes. He has his disciples go fishing and the fish have gold in their mouth. <laughs> I need a fish like Jesus fishes. Amen. Amen. So here's Jesus, and they tried to catch Jesus. I'm over in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and they tried to trip Jesus up. Isn't that interesting? They're, they're trying to trip up God. <laughs> it's like, what are you thinking? And so they, they brought a woman to him that was caught in the very act of adultery. And so they wanted to have Jesus to treat her in light of the law. And they began to quote the law and say, the law commands us to stone her. What do you say? And uh, Jesus didn't respond to them. But he's just started writing some things in the sand or in the dirt or on the ground. Now we don't know exactly what Jesus wrote that day but we know that whatever he did write it brought condemnation upon these that had brought this woman yeah. Amen. I'm this is just my personal opinion that is worth absolutely nothing but I'm my thought is that maybe Jesus was writing down their personal sins that they thought were hidden and that no one knew about and one by one, when he wrote down that what a person had done, they would come up and look and go, uh-oh, jigs up, and they would leave. And one by one, they would leave. And so here in the 40th verse of John 8, he begins speaking to those that remained. And so there were still religious leaders that were still there that were part of, could we say, the mob or the crowd. He says, now, this is Jesus speaking in verse 40 of John 8. He says, now you seek to kill me. Me being a man that has told you the truth. Which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Because they had compared to them as the father or the children of Abraham. Now, let's just throw this in right here. We got time. 
Notice how the religious leaders were identifying themselves with their outer man. We came from the lineage of Abraham. Don't you know I'm a descendant? Therefore, the blessing is on me. But you see, Jesus was introducing a new relationship with mankind. Not one that was based on your descendants, naturally speaking. But one that would be based upon a spiritual rebirth. And so they were glorying taking glory in their flesh and who they came from and how they were living. Now notice verse 41. Now he's talking to these religious leaders who compared to others were living a a holy and righteous life. He tells them, you do the deeds of your father. So he's saying that they're like their father. Let's find out who their father was. Then they said unto him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said unto them, if God was your father, you would have loved me. For I came from God. And I didn't come by myself or of myself, but he sent me. Verse 43, why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my words. Verse 44, remember we're answering the question, is all of humanity the children of God? Is God the father of all individuals? Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. Apparently, all of creation, even though created by God, doesn't mean that God is our father. And he says, because the devil is your father, the lust of your father, you will You see, Jesus was talking about what we found out in Romans 3.23. Every man, every woman comes short of God's glory. Why? Because we have a sin nature. And we were born into that environment. And we were all and have all been separated from God. So like this religious leaders that Jesus was speaking to, God is not the father of everyone. Yes, he's the creator of us all, but he's not the father of us all. You see, God being our father denotes a relationship. And understand that relationship has to do with the part of us is like him. Our relationship is not based on our behavior. Our relationship is not based on our race or our sex or our intelligence or our education or how much money we have. It has to do with the inner man, the hidden man of 
our heart. You see, relationship comes by birth. How did you become the children of your natural parents? It came by birth. And so is it in order for God, the creator, to become our very own father and for us to become his children, we have to receive it through a spiritual birth. Amen. That's what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 3, verse 7. Remember Nick? Nick came to him in the night, Nicodemus. And Jesus looked him right in the eye and said, you must be born again. And he repeated himself in verse 7. You must be born again. What was he talking about? Certainly not a natural birth. He was talking about a spiritual birth. That's how people in this world allow God to be their father and we become his children. Jesus said very clearly in John 14, 6. Now, this is a pretty profound statement that he's making here. Not many can accept this because it's so black and white. It's so direct. It's very narrow, as Scripture says. The way to God is narrow. You can't get in there any other way except by one door. And that door is a person whose name is Jesus. He says, I am the way. Notice he didn't say a way. He said, the way. Amen. Yes. I am the truth. He didn't say a truth to go along with all the rest of the truths. Yes. Come on. The truth. And guess what? The only source of life. Amen. And again, that's talking about spiritual life. Yes. No man gets to the Father. No man can have God the Creator as their Father except by me. Now to the world, that's outrageous. To the world, that's being prejudiced. To the world, that's being narrow-minded. To the world, that's being overbearing. But yet, it's the truth. Hallelujah. Jesus is the only door to the Father. So the world has its beliefs about God. They have enough truth in that lie of the world's perspective to quench their hunger for the truth. You know, that happened to me for 24 years. I had a belief about how God relates to me. And I embraced it, and that's what I believed. And yet, it was in contradiction to the truth that God had given me in his word. But because I believed it, even though it wasn't true, even though I believed it, when people came to me to tell me the truth, I ignored them. And that's what it means to have our eyes blinded by the devil. 
is not that our eyes are, are covered up with a blindfold. It's just that we've embraced a falsehood that has the illusion that it's truth. And once you embrace it, once you believe it, once you set your teeth that this is what I believe and nobody's going to change me, then now you're blind to hearing the truth. Amen. Come on. And really, that's what the enemy's all about. He's all about deception. He's all about an illusion. And so it's up to us to seek the truth from his word. And when we find it, even though it contradicts my personal belief, we lay down yes, what we believe. Amen. Yes. And we embrace his truth. And that is when and only then that that truth works in us and sets us free. Amen. And so understand that I realize that I'm preaching to the choir this morning. I realize you guys get it. But you know, this worldview of how people relate to God, we have many loved ones that believe this. They believe everything's okay between them and God because He's their creator and He's the Father of us all. You, you need to learn how to help them. You need to learn how to pray for them. You need to learn how to get them to let go of that falsehood in order for them to receive the truth. And we can't be sucked in to their belief thinking that they're okay. Because you and I, we know better. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the word of God. Jesus said himself in John 6, 63, he says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are truth. So we thank you that your book, the Bible, is the source of the truth of God. It'll never change, it'll never go away. It's what we call the incorruptible word and it liveth and abideth forever. Help us to embrace the fullness of the truth in the Word of God. Help us to, to substantiate everything that we believe with Scripture. And Lord, help us to see where our loved ones are. Yeah, we hear them talking about God. We, we hear them talking about how, you know, He's their Father. We hear them talking like they have a relationship. But Lord, help us to locate them. Is Jesus the source? Have they gone through that door of receiving Jesus? Help us to see where they are, Lord, so that we can help them. So that we can be that light. We can be that salt. We can be that beacon of truth that will pull down that stronghold of falsehood in order to give place for them to receive the truth. Lord, we thank you for it right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm glad that you were uh, with us today. 
was, it was good to be a part of your day. We love you. Don't forget, we'll be back here tonight at 6. We'll have healing school. And then we'll be back on Wednesday, and we're going to be talking about woulda, coulda, or shoulda. Shoulda. <laughs> so come on out for that. Uh, we're, we're having fun. Yes. We sure miss you all. Can't wait to see you again. That's right. Amen. Toodles. <laughs> <laughs>